We're in the Gospel of John, and if you'd like to turn there, John chapter 10, and we'll finish John 10 today. It's another one of those passages in John that that don't contain some great, amazing miracle that you've heard of 20 times. It's about Jesus, and he's speaking, and he's interacting, and, and there's something deep there for us to get. Something really important. You know, I'm evaluating myself all the time. I can't get away from it. And other people, too. I think we are a nation, a people, just human beings, are constantly relativizing and judging and figuring out and evaluating. And the number one good thing I have to evaluate is the law. I have it as a tool in my pocketbook. I, I, I can take it out and I can measure and see, you know, how you doing? Are you doing okay? Relatively better than other people. Am I doing enough? And, and, and in Christianity especially, I don't know if you grew up like I did. Maybe you didn't, but... In Christianity especially, what creeps in, because there's this word that goes out of the good news of Jesus. Believe in him. Repent of your sin. And so what happens is I start to live my life then, and I start to wonder if I'm really doing it okay, if I'm really a Christian. Have I fled sin enough? Am I doing enough for Jesus? Am I in the word enough? So I have all of these things that I start to worry about in terms of my evaluation, in terms of evaluating me. The difficulty, according to the word of God that we're looking at this morning, is that pathway is entirely a dead end. I still do it. I'm still stupid. The important thing for you and me is how we evaluate not ourselves, but Jesus. You know, say, well, who am I to evaluate Jesus? I can't do that. Yeah, but he asks you to. He says, consider me, evaluate me. So we're going to look today at how Jesus does that, how, where our confidence comes from, that we're actually all going to heaven, all of us. If you accept, receive this Jesus, and, yeah, you need to see who you are. You're condemned under the law, and your only hope is Jesus. So, But if you do, you're free. And he's outside the law. So I want to show you that today. We're, we're going to evaluate Jesus because he asks us to. But, but first, I want you to find confidence. Where do you find your confidence that you just know deep in your bones with all your heart that you're his? Man, if you have that, you have almost everything. No one can shake me if I just know so solidly that I'm his. Mike's going to ask you, how do you know? Again, I think a lot of us would say, well, you know, I try and, I try and follow the rules. I try and be a good person. I come to church. I want to read my Bible. We have all these things we come out with, right? So let's see the text today. John chapter 10. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. Finding confidence first. First, this amazing picture, even more beautiful than the snow we've had. So it says, at that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. So our scene comes up, and it's the feast of dedication. It was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to Jesus, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us 
plainly. So I just want you to see that our scene opens up, and, and, and it's like yesterday, after it snowed. Just beautiful. And think of the idyllicness of Jesus, who's the Son of God, the Messiah, and he's walking in the temple where people come to worship God, and, and the snow is out, and it's a feast of dedication. That's Hanukkah. You know Hanukkah, it's when, because um, way back, Antiochus Epiphanes had ruined the temple, and then they took it back, the Maccabees did, and they, and, and they started Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights. And, and so there's lights. It's almost like we think of Christmas. Think of the best, most coolest Thomas Kincaidy Christmas scene you could get. Ah, oh, and there's Jesus walking, and people are gathering around him, and all is good in the world. That's how we start. Idyllic. And then they say, how long will you keep us in suspense if you're the Christ? Tell us. And I go, huh? Well, wait, wait a minute. I am the bread of life wasn't enough? Or even just, just last chapter, before Abraham was, I am. What, do you, what did you think that meant? Didn't that do it? Here's God's son, and he's done amazing miracles, and he claims to be Christ. Why don't they have confidence in him? Why aren't they like, yes, Jesus, this is the most amazing moment that will ever be. We're walking in the temple, the colony of Solomon, with the Son of God. Can we memorial? Who will paint this picture? I want to put it on my wall. Well, are you really the Christ? I'm just not sure. What's the trouble? Why don't they believe him? I got an answer for you. I don't know. I mean, think about the, if he showed up here and it took somebody who'd been blind since birth and he, he, he healed him. Would you, would you believe him? I hope so. They don't, right? So Jesus answers them. He, he, he answered them. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So, so Jesus' answer is what? Yeah, you're not mine. I told you, and you don't trust me. The works I do, you know, man blind from birth, paralyzed man walks. He even paralyzed 38 years, right? He does them in the name of the Father, and they speak to who he is, and they don't believe because they aren't Jesus' sheep. That's really good for you to think about for a minute and not just cruise by. Because the question is, are you his sheep? Do you have confidence? And, and the answer here for confidence is, do you trust him? Right? You say, yeah, Dax, I do, I do, I, I, I got it. Okay, but then you realize what's not being said, which can be as important as what is. Because it's not, are you obeying him well? We try and stretch the semantic domain of believe to mean you do stuff. But that's not what Jesus says here, is it? It's not, do you obey him really well? It's not, uh, do you take his teaching and apply yourself to that? No, it's, do you hear him? 
Do you hear his claims and agree? He says, my sheep hear my voice. What's the voice? The voice is the message of Jesus being God's son. Come to earth to save us. And Jesus knows his sheep. It says, the sheep follow him. Again, don't get hung up on follow. Follow means see him as the shepherd. He's not a sheep like me. He's not an example or a moral code. He's my savior. He came to save the world. So I hear him, so I'm a sheep. But Dax, I don't, don't you have to look at a reformed life or you're not really his sheep? Can't you tell Christians by what they do and all this stuff? They sh- you will know they are Christians by their love. Yeah, love's good. But this is God talking. And his perspective is, 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 I'm his sheep if I've heard his word, if I've received his message. The very important right now in our world, because we're moving away from a common unity around receiving the word. And we're moving to an evaluation of each other to see if we're good enough to call them fellow Christians. There's tons of litmus tests all around. Do you do enough for social justice? Do you have the right politics? <laughs> that varies by who you talk to, of course. Do you condemn racial injustices in the past clearly enough? Are you wearing a mask? Why are you, why are you wearing a mask? Right? Those aren't necessarily spiritual things. They start to influence how we think spiritually because they're about belonging to the group. And the issue is, do you belong? And if your, if your mode and if your thinking is you belong if you've reformed, well, you might have a problem. I don't know if you saw this week or read about Ravi Zacharias. If you heard him. I read several excellent books he wrote. And the man did some horrible things, it sounds like. Again, I, I'm seeing the specific things, but he's dead now. They're looking at his devices and discovering things that he did that were sinful. <gasps> Maybe he won't go to heaven because he was a sinner. I don't know if you knew Tullian or heard of Tullian Chavidian several years ago. Talking about the gospel. Having an affair. I don't know your life, but if the evaluation of your life is going to be, let's get in there, let's open her up, let's take a look at your little sins and see how good you are. We are all in a world of hurt. So it can't be, right, as if this is not what Jesus is saying. He's actually saying, my sheep hear me. What do they hear? They hear, I'm the Savior. Right? That's what, that's what they hear. I'm following a, a, a different way. Not an audible voice. It's his message of redemption. Hear, trust, and follow. Yeah, that's what it says his sheep do. So that's us, right? That's us. Do you hear the gospel? Do you believe who Jesus is, who he says he is? Do you follow him? Not trusting in your own righteousness, but in his blood for you. Say, so, yeah, that's, I'm there. That's what it, amen. That's our confidence. I didn't say anything about the sin in your life. I just said about Jesus' message.
And I say, okay, well, I have confidence because I've heard that message. And I come to church and worship. Why am I worshiping? Because Jesus is God and he died on a cross for me. And I come and I say, yes, this is the one I worship. And you say, yep, that's it. You can have confidence that you're Christ. You've heard his voice. You're following him. Fantastic. Okay. But I'll tell you what a lot of you are going to say, because you've been around the same teaching I've been around for many years. You're going to say something like, yeah, Dax, that's fantastic. It's a really good start. It's a really good start. You know, I repented of my sin. I asked Jesus into my life. And now I, I, I need to advance. And my confidence it might have been right at the beginning because I didn't have much time. It might have been right when I made that prayer asking Jesus into my heart. It might have been then that I had confidence and joy and, and, and expressing amazing wonder for a little bit of time. But then as time goes by, I have a track record I can look at to see if I'm really his. Your confidence becomes your track record of how you're doing. That's a tragedy. Because I, I want you to really, really have confidence. Really. Confidence. And, and, and the confidence that Jesus gives is the confidence that centers not on you and how well you're doing. It centers on him and what he promises. Look what he says. This is the confidence. You heard the word of Jesus. Do you hear this? Hear it. Here, look, listen. He's speaking. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Whoa, take this slowly with me, will you? So they're sheep, they're ignorant sheep, and they hear the voice of Jesus, and then the focus is entirely on what Jesus says he will do. See, that's what you trust, that's what I trust, that he'll do what he says. What does he do? Uh, we saw the first already, we kind of skipped over it, it's in verse 27, he says, I know them. Jesus knows his sheep. He says he knows you. That's cool. And then this verse right here. I give them eternal life. It's a gift. From Jesus, just hearing him, not the end result of a long faithfulness. It's a gift, not a result of steady work on your behalf. It's not mentioned anywhere. It's a gift. I give my sheep eternal life. That means they'll never perish, says Jesus. There's not a word about because they deserve it more than other sheep. There's not a word about that kind of stuff, right? This is amazing. This is fantastic. This is wonderful. This is, this is confidence. Confidence based in who? Based in the promise of Jesus because he said he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And then it gets even stronger. No one will take them out of my hand. So see, I protect them. Making it to the end isn't about making sure you stay in some umbrella of protection. And unless the umbrella is the breadth of God's hand. Which I'm going to presuppose, and I hope you agree with me, is mighty big. You know, a lot of us, you know, 
A lot of us worry about if we're being good Christians, if we're going to be spit out and we don't really, if maybe we don't believe hard enough, you know, and, 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 and that comes, I believe, from bad teaching. What you're supposed to focus on, what should give you bedrock confidence, is that Jesus is strong enough. And he says he has a gift for you. Do you trust him? And if you do, you just receive the gift and no one can take it away. And this is the basis for these verses about heaven where thieves and moths can't destroy. Because, because here we know we have to kind of work tirelessly to preserve what we have. There's entropy, you know, if I don't paint my house every five years, it starts to rot. And so I start thinking about, okay, that's what it's going to be like here. And just, no, 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 I give them eternal life. Nobody can take you from him, full stop. And you kind of go, okay, well, Dax, you're focusing on this first. It's a great verse. I love it. It's fantastic. Jesus is really strong. But it's kind of, Jesus is kind of optimistic. But I know, I've read the Old Testament, I know God the Father. And Jesus is kind of a shield maybe, but God the Father is out to get me because I don't keep the law very well. Okay, we'll keep going. My father, Jesus says, yeah, that one. (laughs) My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Catch this, it's life-changing. The simple word goes out. We receive it. We believe the promise, the surety of the promise, not based on me. It's based on Jesus. And then this incredible statement, we believers are a gift from the Father to the Son. Whoa! The Father gave us to Jesus. You know, it's like if I had, and I'm, I'm... so excited to give a gift to my wife and I've got flowers and I grab and I grab the flowers and and, 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 and somebody comes up and wants to snatch one from me. Get away from these are for my wife. You don't get down it's not about the flower. It's about who it's for. You don't take my flowers, I'm give to my wife and take them for you. I'm not like well, I wonder I guess it's not a really nice flower. I think I'll throw it away. No, I got them, and they're for my wife. I get them, I give them to her. That's what this is about, right? This amazing thing that no one is greater than God the Father. That's even what Jesus says. Not only can no one take you away, no prior claim can be made. You are nothing, an inconsequential grain of sand against the mightiest huge rock that there is. And his name is God, and he made everything, and he's giving you to the Son. And therefore, he's got you i got to emphasize, this has nothing to do with how great you think you are or aren't. Our assurance, our confidence is the word of God. The word of God? What word of God? Right here. Jesus is speaking. Do you see how he ends this? I and the Father are one. Yeah, Jesus says he is God. You know the wonderful thing? is, is that I, 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 It's an amazing thing. I don't see anyone here leaping up and running away. Jesus Christ is God. I'm like, yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Of course he's God. He died for me. You know what that means? You're a sheep. 
Jesus is God. This is what we believe. He's the Messiah. He's the Son. He's our Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's the one who's done everything for us. And we receive all of this. The words themselves hit our ears. And we say, yes, this is what I believe. That means we're His. We've heard the message of the Bible, what it's about. It's about Jesus. We receive him. We trust in his death for us. We wait for his return. We know he will resurrect us. We know he's alive right now. We know he uses us as he wants to because he is God. Not worried about our self-evaluation of our works because we don't even evaluate rightly. It's all about trusting him anyway. He's bearing fruit in us because he says he is. The the Holy Spirit's unstoppable. You're not going to stop him, are you? One of the most amazing things in our day. It's like people somehow think the Holy Spirit, who is God, is stoppable. Like somehow it's like God says he's going to do something. You go, oh, no, no, no. I I don't believe enough for you to do anything in me. What? What? I haven't prayed enough. I haven't said the right, whatever it is. I I don't understand. Is God God? Look what he says. He promises that he has us and no one can steal you. Now you should ask, or it should at least cross your thinking as we go slowly through this passage. We should think, why is he talking about someone stealing us? Why should he say that? He said it twice. No one can snatch them from my hand. That, that presumes there are those who want to snatch you away. There are, you know, principalities and powers that control the world, that set up the systems of the world, that even now are at work. And the crazy thing is, they convince people, or try to, not to hear Jesus. You see, this is the great problem. Not that you would somehow not do what you're supposed to do, not somehow that you're, you wouldn't reform enough morally. Not you would love more greatly. But that you would not hear this word. And not have confidence in Jesus. By the way, what, what, what could do that? What, what could swing people away from hearing? What lever? What idea? What reasoning? I think we need to follow it out to find out because we don't want our eyes wandering away from, from this wonder that you and I have. And, and it affects me. I know I'm free. I know, I know other people are free. I know I'm in fellowship. I, I, I've got this connection. I've got unity. I've got transparency. All these things that come out of this, we can talk about them all. But not today. Today we're talking about what, what, what swings our eyes away. Because I want our eyes to stay focused on the right stuff. Because look what happens in verse 31. The Jews pick up stones to kill him. <laughs> you know, whoa. You know, Jesus has made this incredible statement, the one that differentiates the saved and the unsaved. He is God. Receive him. And what do these people do? The ones who just on the way. Remember the idyllic scene again? Let's go back. Thomas Kincaid painted our picture. Jesus walking on the colonnade. The temple's there. The beauty of Hanukkah. The twinkling lights. And it's so pretty in the snow. And oh, it's so. Jesus, be plain. If you're the Christ, just tell us. And so Jesus says, yep, I'm God. Oh, time for some stones. 
That, that, that's not what I would expect them to do. They asked for this. Oh, speak to us plainly. So now they pick up stones to kill him. To stone him. That's what stoning is. It's killing him. And Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Was it healing the man formerly known as a blind man? Was it the man paralyzed for 38 years that he he took and, 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 and made walk? Pick up his bed. Was it the amazing abundant wine from plain water? What horrible deed of Jesus' is in question? This is the reality, right? What's the determinative thing? What's the thing that people are evaluating? It's not, oh, 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 are you good enough? It's, what is Jesus' work? You're supposed to evaluate Jesus. What do you think of what Jesus has done? Right? That, that's, what, that's what you're supposed to do. That's the reality. Jesus works or what's determinative, not ours. And the Jews answered him, Hey, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Oh. I, I get this. You get this? I mean, do good, of course, we all good, good deeds, but, but don't call yourself God. And this is the key thing, right? This is, this is, this is the hub. This is the nub. This is the, this is the determinative thing. Jesus is God. We aren't. And, and that's why we're different. Because instead of works of the law that we're all under and we're just trying to do, we focus on Jesus. Not the law. The person of Jesus, this is the main issue, not just for them, but for us. Jesus says he's God, that he died for us, that he gives eternal life, and that we're totally okay in his hands, and that no one can take us away. That is a very strong statement. Is he right? Well, maybe, but I'm just not sure that I'm his. Do you hear it? Yeah. Do you believe him? Yeah, he's done God. But you won't believe that what he says is true. Well, it's because I have another standard over here and I just don't feel like I'm matching up. Well, those are two entirely different paths. Entirely different evaluation systems. And Jesus says, here's the evaluation system. And the world says, oh, no, 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 no. What about this? And you know what, dear believer? So often that's what you get sucked back into. Many people say they believe in Jesus, actually want to evaluate evaluate Jesus under the law, which is fine, but as a precursor to evaluating themselves under the law. You know why I can evaluate Jesus under the law? It's because he was born under the law, because he kept the law perfectly. I can never find a single law Jesus didn't do okay. In. Even these Pharisees that say you're breaking the Sabbath, Jesus is the Sabbath. Jesus is God. He gave the law. He's over the law. He's before the law. He's Melchizedek who came before the law was ever given. Jesus is so much better. But, but what we want to do is say, no, Jesus is the law, and therefore the God and the law are the same. Baloney. An incredible passage right here. Don't lose it. It's going to take a minute to try and get you in it. So, so walk through it with me in verse 34. Look what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, 
They're mad at Jesus because he's calling himself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because he said, I'm the son of God. Okay, whoa. I don't really understand this passage, so we'll just say, okay, and we'll keep going. No, don't. Because we do that too often. Jesus quotes Psalm 82 to them. I had us read it earlier, right? Jason read it for us. He, he, we, we, we see that it speaks of God in the divine council. You realize there are powers and principalities that are over the nations. You realize there are, there are beings that are incredibly more, more powerful than you are, than I am. And it speaks of God in such a council. And it says in verse 6, the psalmist writes, it's the sons of Asaph. He says, I said you are gods. So Jesus quotes it specifically. And so God, the Father, speaking to other creatures, some made creatures that he made. Whether they're human beings who are fantastic leaders or divine created beings, rulers and principalities, demons, angels, whatever, however you want to think about it, they are powerful rulers. And in the scriptures, that's in the law, in the Psalms, there in Psalm 82, gods he calls them. And, And Jesus says, this is what you are using to evaluate me. Why are you so mad? You mad, bro? The Father set me apart and sent me into the world, and, and I say I'm his son. That's pretty easy to see, right? It's pretty easy to see. That, hey, hey, even, even back then, the actual verse that's there, I, I, do I have it? It's later, okay. But the actual verse that's there, let me give it to the whole thing. See, he says, I said, this is Psalm 82, I said you were gods. Then look at the next phrase, sons of the Most High. What is Jesus saying? I am son of the Most High. It's like literally what he's saying. They're so mad at him because I said, what if I'm just quoting the Bible? So they have no argument, right? There's no argument there. You, you should, Jesus says you shouldn't be, be trying to nitpick me around specific things you don't even understand. You should be looking at what I do. You should be looking at me. But it even goes a little bit deeper. So there's one more piece. So, so if you'll follow me. So it's often is there's more than one thing going on when Jesus quotes the Old Testament. So the context of this quote, right, is God is angry at these gods. Why is he angry at them? Because they know what to do and they're not doing it. Right? It says you're, you're not giving justice to the oppressed. You're not, you're not being kind to the right people. You're not doing... So, so, so think with me. The very best of the best. This isn't somebody who can't get up out of bed. These are the rulers. These are the principalities. These are the authorities. The best way I interpret this is that he's talking about angels and rulers and powers that you have no ability to even touch. If you saw one, you'd be tempted to drop in worship. And he says to them, you're going down. Why are they going down? They're not up to standard. 
They're not up to standard. That's the answer. Go look. Go read it. You read it yourself. We'll read it again. He says, you're not doing these things. So, so I, you're going to die. And whether you say like this, like men, you shall die. You can translate like, like as a single man, you'll, you'll die, O princess. Like, like all at once, I'm going to get you. God says, I'm going to judge. Who's he going to judge? Everybody. And if the judgment is based on you and your actions, don't think you're any better than these rulers and principles and authorities. What in the world? How do you think you're going to survive if they don't? Because he goes on to say, right? He goes on to say, oh, arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. What is that meaning? What is the psalmist saying? He's saying this. He's saying this. The very best rulers, the very, that with, given the code that they know of me, given the laws that they understand, still fail. So God, arise. You be the one. Inherit everything. You see why Jesus is quoting that? He's the Son of God. And He says to the people, to you, You're a sheep. You got no ability. Trust me. I do. If you'll trust what I'm going to do, He's going to do it perfectly. He's going to go die for you and me. He's going to keep the law radically perfectly because he is so perfect in every single way. And yet he's more because he comes to people under the law and he rescues them from it because there's no rescue any other way. When I say rescue from the law, I mean Romans 7. You had to die to the law to get into Christ. That's what it says. So there's this way now, right? God will take what is his. What's that? The nations are his inheritance. Who's that? The Gentiles. Who's that? You. You and me. How's he going to do it? It won't be by the righteous works of the world. It won't be the rulers of the ones judged. And yet the rulers scrabble and fight over the right moral laws, the right ways to establish justice. They all fail. And the only hope is that God will arise and take what is his. And wow, who's on the scene? Jesus. He will conquer the principalities and powers, putting them to shame by his death on a cross. Upside down, we don't understand. But we know this. He's God and he did it. He does just that. This is the gospel. It's the story of Jesus defeating all other rulers and powers by his work alone. And we're part of the story. But our part is that we hear it. And we trust him. And if instead you go back into self-oriented paradigms of improvement and pleasing and, and somehow we, we embrace the principalities and powers again, that's what they're imposing. There's no hope. There's no actual accomplishment. There's no actual accomplishment for you outside the work of Christ. Hear it. That's what Jesus wants you to see. His works. Look, look, look. He says in verse 37, if I am not doing the works of my father, check him out, guys. Then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works. That you may know and understand my father is in me and I am in the father. They begin to sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. 
So, so this is the evaluation, right? Jesus invites you, evaluate my works, not, not yours, except to see how bad they are. If you see that Jesus is in the Father and the Father's in him, that will get you to the right place because the power and ability and the strength and the assurance is all in his works, in his hands. That's the message. And with that, Jesus goes away. Let, let's finish the passage. He says, verse 40, he says, And he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. That's today, you guys. This is an amazing, amazing presentation Jesus makes to people that need to hear. Right? The evaluation of Jesus based on his works is what he said true. And what we instead do, you and I, almost all the time, is to evaluate ourselves and others based on the law. Like the law is really God himself, like Jesus himself was indebted to the law or something, or that was the purpose of you, is to somehow make you compatible with the world. The law exists to point us to Jesus. The law exists to show us our need. The law exists to establish some kind of decorum on the world's end, to limit sin that's corrupt this corrupt and decaying place we're in. And Jesus says instead, evaluate my works, evaluate my statements, look to me. And so today we see God by seeing Jesus and seeing his heart to heal, hearing his strong promises, catching a glimpse of when the law is done, there's only one who saves, one who redeems, and he does it as a gift. He's worthy of everything. His name is Jesus. He is ours forever. We take heart. He's done it. We follow him. This is our confidence. And when you get proud, break yourself again that all you are is condemned by the law. And when you hit despair and depression and sadness, because again you see that you fail, you realize, wait a minute, there's one who's done it all for me. I trust his promise for me. I don't trust the circumstances. I don't trust what my eyes see. I trust him and what he said, and I receive it today. Then, you know what I say to you? Hello, brother and sister. Hello, fellow sheep. We got a great Savior. Let's pray.